And now, live from Level 5 Productions on the island of Milleronia, it's The Larry Miller Show! Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, and everyone who has never had Thanksgiving leftovers. Hi, folks, and welcome back to The Larry Miller Show. I'm Larry Miller, but in a way, aren't we all? And you know something, folks? Well, I love that theme song. As you know, I I love The Larry Miller Show theme song, and I always have. And so does Colonel Jeff. Colonel Fox found that theme song. Somewhere, and I've never asked where. I don't care where. What I love is that we both enjoy it. And by the way, when we go here to record a show every week, I'll tell you what, every time that theme comes up, well, we do our prep work, and we do our checks, and we do everything involved in making a show. And then when we start, like now, and that theme comes on, it makes me smile and rock my head back and forth. And I always look over at Colonel Jeff and he's always doing the Colonel Chef, well, the Colonel Jeff Shuffle, I guess. And uh, he loves it, too. And you know what? It's very meaningful. I'm glad you do, too, and I hope you just love it. And uh, as always, by golly, they they get better every week. That's the Jeb Adamson Orchestra and the Krista Oliva Dancers, or Oliva Dancers there, and uh, featuring... Boy tenor William Lucking asking the musical question, when will I get sizable discounts on drinks upon presenting my Larry Miller Drinking Society card? Well, it's a heck of a question. Good question, William. When? When will you get sizable discounts? When the bartender is also a member. That's a good when, by the way. And if he sees that card... And he smiles and he pulls out his card. I'll bet you're going to get a good good drink there. And just like everything should be, by the way, it's all up to the bartender. Pardon me. And if he's not polite, just smile and realize he's risking a trip to the volcano. That's right. I can promise you all the bars on Milleronia here are, well, they're terrific. And all the bartenders are just right. And uh, it's true, they know they're under threat of a volcano, but they're just made that way. They're just made like terrific fellas, and uh, I'm glad they're here. And, uh, well, you you know what? Remember something, by the way. If you want uh, to be a member of the Larry Miller Drinking Society and get a card, and I know you do, if you don't have one yet, remember something. We haven't, we're still getting a lot of things in order here at the Larry Miller Show. And especially on Milleronia, remember something, Milleronia is so far away out in the Pacific, and that's all I can tell you. And it takes so many helicopter rides to get here, separate rides. Remember, I and the staff here bring Colonel Jeff over on three separate helicopter rides. And, well, the post office needs our help in getting your requests here for a Larry Miller Drinking Society card. But we will. So hang in there. And in the meantime, print one out yourself. 
That's right. Now, you may be stunned. You may be aghast, agog. You may say, well, how do I print one out myself? Go to our website, which I'll tell you about again, but our website is LarryMillerHumor.com. No, wait. No, it's not. Shouldn't I know this at this point? <laughs> that was a great... Colonel Jeff just shrugged and, you know, uh, yeah, but obviously you don't. I guess that's true. Our website is LarryMillerPodcast.com. So what we, what we do is we have a section there and something to click, and you'll see it about the Larry Miller Drinking Society. And what you can do is click on that, get get in right into it, and you can print one out on your computer right now. And that's in the meantime. And maybe take a tiny, you know, cut a piece of cardboard from your latest clean shirt from the dry cleaner. And, well, glue or or scotch tape that card right to the cardboard. And you can go out and drink that way. But uh, we won't let you down, folks. As soon as we can get your mail and mail those cards back to you from here on Milleronia, we will. So as I said, hang in there. And uh, but to William Lucking, I just want to say, when it's a good question, when will I get sizable discounts on drinks upon presenting my Larry Miller Drinking Society card, William? When the world is right, when the world has changed, and all people are who we want them to be. That sounds complicated, and frankly, I scared myself. But you know what? Hang in there, William, too. I'm glad you have a card, and I'm glad you remember. Folks, get yourselves a computer printout of it from our podcast, from, uh, yeah, LarryMillerPodcast.com. That's our website. Boy, I was looking for that word, too. I was From our uh, thing? What, what's it called? The, the, the thing? And uh, remember, we won't let you down. <laughs> we'll we'll find a way to get them to you again. And we'll let you know, too. And by Amazon, PayPal, and my book. That's right. We have great sponsors. We're going to have a ton more, by the way, as soon as we, well, as soon as we fix that mail problem. But uh, Amazon is still the greatest company in the world to have as a sponsor. I really enjoy them. Amazon does three things no other company does. Number one, Whatever you can imagine, they will get you, and they will send it to you. Number two, they already have it. It's already in their gigantic Indiana Jones-type warehouse, the ones where you never really see the other wall, because it's very, very big, and they have everything. And uh, number three, they send us here at the show a percentage of whatever you order. So they send to me and to Colonel Jeff... To the Larry Miller Show, a percentage of whatever it is you get. And we, of course, take that money and put it right in our cash box and save it for our next big fancy fried chicken dinner. And uh, I know you're not thinking about a big fancy fried chicken dinner. Well, here at Thanksgiving time, but you should be. I'll be talking about Thanksgiving. I'm going to be telling you something about Thanksgiving a little later on the show, by the way. And by PayPal. So what you do is remember there's also a banner for PayPal on our website. There's a banner that says Amazon and there's a banner that says PayPal. So you don't have to go through the tough job of getting to these places yourselves. Click those banners. 
We'll get you there. Colonel Jeff and I, even if it's in the middle of the night at three in the morning, we'll wake up. We have a special alarm that goes off when someone says, take me to Amazon or take me to PayPal. And we will get up. And if it's well, if it's time that we're making a show, we'll do it from Milleronia. And if we're back on the mainland, where we go after the show is done, well, we'll get there too. We'll get to the studio and we'll take you there. And you know what? PayPal makes you feel like you're saving the world. It's a good time of year to think that way. And you know what? They really do. They make you feel like, well, you're becoming a great person. And so what you want to do is remember, if here's a good way to think of it. You know what? If you enjoy the show, if you really like the Larry Miller Show, and why wouldn't you? And you'd like to send us a few bucks to help out, and why wouldn't you? And thank you for already doing it, those of uh, those who have done it. You can do it through PayPal. And they, so they they have a neat way of doing it. But, you know, this is just me. But instead of saying donate or pay what you like, you know what? I always like to say something like, buy us some drinks. That's right. You know, that's, that's a good way to prop us up. And uh, by sending uh, drink money or sending drinks, there are different levels. There's level one through five. All the way up to... We're driving to Florida! (laughs) By the way, everyone in that audience is a Larry Miller Drinking Society member. Especially the guy who screams yes. And Colonel Jeff and I have decided it sounds like he's screaming yes now. Yes! So, you know what? Use PayPal and uh, go to them from our website. Once again, LarryMillerPodcast.com. Who's on the mountain? Tom Mix. (laughs) That's such an unhappy, happy sound. That, boy, oh boy. What is that, a tuba or a trombone? Holy mackerel. Blah. Well, no matter what, where it comes from, you'll know it when it comes. And uh, anyway, thank you, because every little bit helps here and helps us keep the old leg lamp lit. And thanks to everyone who's contributed already. It means a lot. And by me, me and my book, signed hardcover copies of my book, Spoiled Rotten America, are now for sale at store.com. ComedyFilmNerds.com And uh, I really enjoyed writing it. It's a funny book. And my look at all sorts... Every chapter is a different look at life. And they're all true. Especially the funny ones. At any rate, I I think you'll enjoy it a lot. So uh, go to store.ComedyFilmNerds.com And get a signed hardcover copy of my book, Spoiled Rotten America. And thank you for those who've done it. And thank you in advance for those who are about to. And uh, that brings me to my favorite part of the show, the joke of the week. (laughs) Still makes me giggle. Even after the big, (laughs) this is a good joke. I liked it, and uh, Colonel Jeff liked it, and, uh, well, I hope you like it, too. 
and uh, there's a Chinese herb healer or herb healer. And he's from China, and he decides at a certain point he wants to come to America. He wants to open himself a big-time store in a big-time mini-mall, and he wants to succeed mightily. And he does. He comes to America, and he opens a, a little shop, a, a healing shop, and uh, people all around know it. And he has a sign up in the window that says, you know what? It's $20 per healing. You come in, and you tell him what's wrong, and he'll heal you, guaranteed. And then you give him $20, and he always says, plus, if it doesn't work, if he can't heal you, you don't have to give him $20. He'll give you $100. And well, that's a pretty that's a pretty fair bargain, I think, and I'm I'm glad for him. Maybe I'll stop in and see him someday. So the the herbalist is in his little store, and one day, well, a lawyer is walking by, and uh, he sees that sign, and he sees that shop, and he says, "Well, he's a sharp cat. He's a sharp lawyer. He's a young man who thinks he's going to rule the world." And he says, "You know what I'm going to do." I'm going to go into this shop and I'm going to get that $100. Never mind how I'm going to get it. This guy can't get me. I'm going to get him. So he goes in there and the the Chinese herbalist comes out and says, Yes, sir, what, uh, what may I do for you? And the lawyer says, Well, my taste is gone. I have no sense of taste. Uh, nothing in my mouth, nothing registers at all. And, and I'm I'm horrified about that. So uh, can you cure me of that? I, I want my taste restored. And uh, and the Chinese man just uh, nods and uh, turns around into the, into the back room and says, calls to the nurse and says, nurse, go, go to the box called number 22, the number 22 box, and bring the medicine there in here and put three drops on this man's tongue. And, well, the lawyer's a little... A little freaked out about what six drops on my, three drops on my uh, my tongue. But the nurse comes out, sure enough, with the little bottle, and she puts three drops on his tongue, and she says, "Oh, yeah, that's oh, that's 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 terrible. It's ter well, it tastes like kerosene." And uh, and the Chinese man says, "Then congratulations, your taste is restored. Give me twenty dollars." And the lawyer looks at him for a second and realizes, "Well, he." He did what he said. All right, he, all right, not the way I wanted it to end, but he takes out $20, hands it to the guy, and he kind of leaves. It's more like he storms out. He's not, not happy about that, but okay, okay, that's the way it went. Well, don't you know, a week or two goes by, and this lawyer can't stop thinking about it. He doesn't let it go. It shows you the kind of guy he is. He can't even sleep at night. He just wants to know, why, why, why didn't I do it? And he goes back to the shop. That's where that was leading. He goes back to the shop and he says, well, this is, uh, this is ridiculous. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this guy and I, I, I'm not going to let that happen again. And he walks in again and the Chinese man just nods and smiles and asks what he can do to help. And, and the lawyer says, uh, my memory is gone. Okay, my memory is gone, and I want it back, and that's the way it is, and I want you to put my memory back. That's the problem I have now, and I want it healed. And the Chinese man nods and smiles, calls the nurse again in the back, and says, Nurse, go to box number 22, and bring out the medicine there, and put three drops on this man's 
tongue. And the lawyer says, aha, that's what you did the last time I was here. That's just, that's just kerosene. That's what, I, I, I know what you're doing now. And the Chinese man says, congratulations, your memory is back. Give me $20. And there's a pause and the lawyer looks at him again and says, boy, he got me again. And he's, his teeth are gritting, but he takes out another $20 bill, hands it to the Chinese man and storms out of the store. Well, don't you know the same thing happens to that lawyer? Another two weeks goes by, and he just can't take it. He can't take that the Chinese man got him again for the second time. So that's it. I'm going back, and I'm going to get him now, and he's not going to pull anything on me, and I, I'm going to get that $100. And he goes back in, and the Chinese man says, uh, Yes, sir, how may I help you? And uh, the lawyer says, My sight is gone. That's how you can help me. My sight is gone. So remember something. Uh, don't, uh, don't fool me this time. Give me back my sight. And the Chinese man immediately says, Sir, I can't do that. I cannot return your sight. You have beaten me, and I'm now going to pay you the $100 bill. But what he does is he takes out a $1 bill from his wallet and he hands it to the man, and the lawyer says, Hey, wait a minute, not so fast. That's not a $100 bill, that's a $1 bill. And you're trying to pull it on me now. And the Chinese man says, Congratulations, your sight is restored. Give me $20. <laughs> that's a pretty good joke, isn't it? I hope you liked it, and so does the colonel. And I hope you tell that to friends and family. That's That's a pretty good one. Boy, oh boy, it goes to show you some people just can't be satisfied. And that man was smart to move here from China and open his own healing business. But boy, oh boy, can you imagine that? It took two weeks every single time that guy just couldn't take it. And that's not the way you or I want to live. And now that brings me to my second favorite part of the show... The Poetry Corner. <laughs> ah, how nice once again. I think that guy with the cough could be helped by the Chinese man, by the way. I'm just saying. Okay, well, this is, this is a lovely poem, and, uh, it's by the great Shel Silverstein, and uh, Shel Silverstein was known by you, by all of you, in a hundred different ways. He was a singer, songwriter, cartoonist, screenwriter, author of children's books, and as a songwriter, by the way, he wrote a song for Johnny Cash called 25 Minutes to Go which is about a guy on death row who's about to be executed. And he wrote another one for Johnny Cash, a great hit for him, A Boy Named Sue. And in addition to that, Shel Silverstein, he was a cast member, a famous cast member on uh, Dr. Demento's show. And uh, one of the songs he wrote there was Sarah Cynthia Sylvia Stout Would Not Take the Garbage Out. He was very witty, and he was a good man. And, and by the way, he co-wrote a screenplay with David Mamet 
That's a pretty good credit right there. And, and, and it's a great movie called Things Change with Joe Mantegna and Donna Michi. Oh, what a cast that movie has. It's just wonderful. So anyway, Shel Silverstein could do many things. And what he did this time was write a poem called Where the Sidewalk Ends. There is a place where the sidewalk ends and before the street begins. And there the grass grows soft and white, and there the sun burns crimson bright, and there the moonbird rests from his flight to cool in the peppermint wind. Let us leave this place where the smoke blows black and the dark street winds and bends, past the pits where the asphalt flowers grow, we shall walk with a walk that is measured and slow, and watch where the chalk-white arrows go, to the place where the sidewalk ends. Yes, we'll walk with a walk that is measured and slow, and we'll go where the chalk-white arrows go, for the children they mark, and the children they know, the place where the sidewalk ends." Isn't that nice? Isn't that lovely? Shel Silverstein really was, God bless him, a great creative, creative man. But his use of words there, what a thought. As soon as I read that first line, there is a place where the sidewalk ends and before the street begins, I thought, what a beautiful way to say that. It's, and yes, whatever it is, even that got my imagination going of, how do you like that? A place where the sidewalk ends and before the street begins... It's almost like that uh, those Harry Potter trains. They just appear. You just got to walk there around to another track, and regular folks can't see it, but you could. Well, you know what? I think you and I would see and know where the sidewalk ends. Thank you to Shel Silverstein, and uh, thank you, folks. I like that one. I hope you did, too. And that brings us to the third favorite part of the show for me. M-M-M. Triple M, the magic movie moment. Another great sound there. You know, folks, I love doing the magic movie moment. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad I thought of it. I'm glad we brought it into the show. And uh, this one is especially nice because it's a beautiful movie. And I might have mentioned in, in context before, but not in this one. But because of Thanksgiving, it's from 1947. It's called A Miracle on 34th Street. Or Miracle on 34th Street. And it begins, and this great story, which is so well told, begins with Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade in New York. What a cast. William Frawley, Gene Herschelt, and the stars... Maureen O'Hara, and, well, I love her uh, so much, and uh, the young Natalie Wood playing her daughter, and John Payne, what a great actor, and Edmund Gwen, uh, well, playing Santa, and their their friend, and uh, you know what? It, it, it is about Thanksgiving, how they all come together and met, but the true main point of the story, of course, it's about, well, wait a minute, is this guy Santa Claus or, or not? And we love watching it. You 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 want to shout at the screen? Yes, yes, he is. Why don't you just love him too? 
And the main point of the story, though, in a way, it shows you how to fall in love in New York in 1947. And all of our country, all America, the way they are, the way they they act with each other, the way they smile, and uh, they both have nice apartments, both, uh, well, Maureen O'Hara and John Payne are living in the same building. And they're not fancy apartments, but you say, boy, they're sure nice. What a nice place that would be to live. And, uh, wow, Thanksgiving and, uh, well, they have a Thanksgiving dinner together. We don't see it, but what a beautiful story and how well told. And you know what? The uh, the magic movie moment for me, it has so many in this movie, but their love is real and true, and you know it throughout the movie. And John Payne realizes it, and then... Well, Maureen O'Hara realizes Maureen O'Hara realizes it too, and uh, and the three of them, and with Natalie Wood as the as the young girl, the three of them really begin to well, they realize they care about each other, they love each other, and they do it in such a sweet way too. Maureen O'Hara is is nervous because she had a past marriage that didn't work out, and that's of course where her daughter came from. Not like today, where the two people don't even actually have to speak. They could have 25 kids before they realize one turns to the other and says, and you are... At any rate, though, at the end of the movie, when they also see, you know they're going to love each other. You know they already do. You know they're going to get engaged and get married, even though they really haven't said it. And they come back from, well, seeing their good friend, Edmund Gwynn, who plays Santa Claus, dressed as Santa, at, well, the old age home where he lives now. And he's such a wonderful man. What a good soul. And their young friend from Macy's is there, who's dressing up like Santa too now, because he's a good soul too. And they drive back. They're driving back home, driving back to the city. And as they do... Well, Edmund Gwen as Santa Claus says, oh, here's the way you might go. You know, this will be less traffic. Go this way. And they say, oh, okay, sure. But you and I know watching the movie, well, it, it seems like he's just directing him over there, but they don't, they don't notice that. And they drive past a house, and the house is for sale, and it's in a nice new neighborhood on Long Island there. And Natalie Wood says, oh, here, stop here. That's it, because she had wished for a house. And that's what she wanted for Christmas. And they, and so what, whatever, what's, what do we do? And he pulls over John Payne in the, in the car there. And he's, and she just gets out and runs in. There's no one in there, but the house is open and they go in and follow her there. And well, they look at each other and they, Natalie Wood is so thrilled. She says, this is it. This is the one I wanted. This is the one. And then she runs away. She runs out to the back and it's got a swing too. And, they look at each other finally, Maureen O'Hara and John Payne and these characters, and finally they say, I think it's John Payne who says, well, we couldn't very well disappoint her like this. And you realize they're going to be, and Maureen O'Hara looks at him kindly again and with love, and it's a great part of the movie, and you're going to love it if you haven't seen it. But then they notice as they smile and, Maybe they even kiss, too. But as they do, 
they both glance over at the fireplace and see Edmund Gwen's cane, the cane he's been carrying the whole movie, and, of course, a fireplace is where Santa comes down anyway. Well, folks, it may sound a little corny to you, but it's not. It's beautiful. They're in love, and they're going to get married. And Natalie Wood is in love with a house, and they're going to live there. And you know what? That's a happy ending, if you ask me, and a magic movie moment. And uh, Edmund Gwynn, by the way, a great actor you've seen in so many things, and I just wanted to mention uh, before we part the magic movie moment that uh, Edmund Gwynn on his deathbed when he was dying and he had family and friends all around him, and one of his friends looked at him and said, Oh, God, Ed, dying must be must be hard. And Gwen looked back up and, and said, uh, No, dying is easy. Comedy is hard. And, well, folks, I think that's just... Those are great last words. <laughs> great as anyone. Miracle on 34th Street. If you've never seen it, see it. If you have seen it, see it again. And that's a good Thanksgiving movie. And, uh, you know, it's funny because Thanksgiving to me, I talked a little, little about it last week, but the truth is it was it was always a family holiday to me when I was growing up. It was growing up Thanksgiving, all family there. And every year, always, every, and we were, uh, we were a let's go there family. I mentioned that last week briefly. Maybe you were too. Maybe you went to places. Well, we went to lots of places, but for every holiday, every big holiday, everyone came to our house on Long Island. And it was just beautiful. We had a, it was a big family holiday for us. And it was my, uh, my father's mother, my grandma, and uh, her sister, Aunt Etty, and uh, my mother's family, uh, her brothers, Arnie and uh, Harry and Morris and their families. So it was a bunch of people. We had a kid's table, that's for sure, you know. And uh, But that was nice. No one minded things like that. And by the way, Uncle Joe and Aunt Arlene were always late with their kids. They came out. They lived in lower Manhattan, and they came out. And they were always late every year. And by the way, this is not a knock on it. It's just one of those comical ways of saying, you know how sometimes if you only go to a place once a year, you kind of forget where it is, or you just about forget where it is. Or, you know what? You forget where it is. And they did every single year. And my Uncle Joe, and I loved them all, by the way. And Uncle Joe was one of those fellows, like, a lot of men are described this way. He never asked for directions. He couldn't ask for directions, even when his wife was my father's twin sister, by the way, Arlene. And uh, even when he, uh, even when Arlene would say to him in the car, you know, Joe, why don't we just pull over? We'll go to a gas station, to a bar or something, and we'll just ask directions. And he was always just kind of rigid on that. No, no, I don't know. I don't want to. And the girls were in the back seat. And they got every year, and everyone knew it. Our whole family, everyone else there knew that they were going to be late. Everyone just expected it, so no no one was annoyed. And they they came in every year, Uncle Joe and Aunt Arlene, 
and Susan and Ellen and Karen, and they came in every year late. And uh, as soon as they came in, they I remember Joe would always look at the table and we were sitting there eating, and he said, see, they're eating already. They didn't wait for us. And then we, it was like a play that was written every year. And then my mother would say, Joe, you're out of your mind. You're late every year. Of course we waited for you. And then around 4 o'clock, we all said, the heck with it, let's eat. Because we knew you'd be there now at 5. Every single year, 1 to 2 hours late. And then that was when I remember my Aunt Arlene would always say to him, uh, Joe, get a drink and grab a plate and let's sit down. Which, by the way, is kind of perfect advice for any moment. And then people weren't mad. They were just kind of shouting things. We had a shouting family. Everyone shouted, even on the happiest day, let's turn on the TV. It was always a shout. And, uh, boy, they, they were terrific. And every single year, we had so much going on. My grandma, Aunt Etty, Harry, Morris, Arnie, and uh, with Morris's wife, Sandy, and their kids, and uh, my Aunt Etty. And uh, we all loved her. I loved her very much. She was uh, also one of those folks who would always say little tiny dark things to people, like, uh, what a lovely dress. Does it come in small sizes? And I used to say that in my act, in fact, because it's kind of just perfect. What's the answer to that question? Could you please go away and leave me alone? And uh, But she was great. You see, when it when it's all in the family, so to speak, you know, well... And by the way, we were always on time for Uncle Joe and Aunt Arlene's spreads. They lived in an apartment in Lower Manhattan. Not a fancy place. And it's interesting, too, because Uncle Joe, they made good money. Uncle Joe was a very highly respected surgeon. He was an orthopedic surgeon. And he grew up in Boston, and uh, he came from a regular family. Uh, just like you and me, and uh, they didn't. But he went to Boston Latin School. He was so smart, and he became well, very, uh, very well known and very successful as an orthopedic surgeon. But he, and my aunt Arlene and my dad, well, and all of my folks and all everybody there at that table, well, they were they they were all depression kids, and that's not to be sorrowful about that. It's all to say, well, they they were in. They really came up in the depression, and they. They all worked the way everyone did in the Depression. So when they became adults, even though they were making some money, well, they weren't going to spend it on wild or crazy things. So their apartment was very nice. I didn't understand. I didn't get anything. It was in lower Manhattan, and uh, it was two bedrooms, and there weren't big bedrooms. I remember in front of their bed, in the master bedroom, and that's where the bathroom was. You had to go through the master bedroom, to get to the bathroom, which is fine, but there was the master bed, the the king size bed, was so big. It wasn't so big; it was just regular. But I mean, you had to turn sideways to get between that and the dresser, which only had about oh, what would it be, you know, four or five inches there. But that was fine. Again, nobody. Uh, it was just fine, and they had uh, the three girls lived in the other bedroom, and uh, they had a TV. They had the first TV in our family with a remote control, and that's one of those remote controls. That was a pretty big thing 
at the time, one of their remote, they had a remote control that would click when you push the button, the ones that would go click really loudly. And as Colonel Jeff reminded me, that's where the actual channel knob on the TV would move on its own when you clicked it. And it would click, the channel on the TV would turn to whatever you put on. And uh, that's so all the uh, all the men there wanted to watch, well, on Thanksgiving, watch football games. And uh, they would stand there, four or five men who were themselves really good athletes and, well, good war veterans. And they were, they were pretty pretty strong, tough guys. And uh, But it was not a big living room. They weren't sitting on the couch. They had a sofa, but it wasn't so big. So the, these these big galoots weren't going to just jam themselves in onto a sofa or a folding chair, but that's fine. They were happy. And we were never late for that one. And we had, oh, they were always deli meals. Thanksgiving, of course, is turkey. But on Sunday afternoons, Aunt Arlene and Uncle Joe would often just have everyone over. And it's the same thing, same family, same people who were at our house for Thanksgiving. So everyone would go there, and it was all deli food. We would all go get deli platters and bring them to Aunt Arlene's, and they had a table, one of those folding tables that you keep in the garage. If you have a garage, they didn't have a garage, but they, they, and they, you could put one of those uh, little crepe paper tablecloths on it. At any rate, and everyone had, and those deli platters, by the way, were corned beef, and that was it. I mean, they, they, I don't even think anybody brought pastrami in those days. Pastrami wasn't even as fashionable, if that's the right word, as it is now. But we had it every so often. But really, it was just corned beef and bologna and salami. And that was that. And big trays of pickles. Everyone always brought a tray of pickles. And they were all cut. They were cut up in quarters. And boy, I used to love pickles. In fact, one of those get-togethers, because uh, my cousin Craig and I would wrestle in the girls' rooms, the girls' room, uh, rather, and uh, they and Craig was uh, two or three years older than me, and I looked forward to seeing him so much. He was a great kid and uh, and, a, and a rugged guy, and we, we would wrestle. I mean, like TV wrestling, except I would just laugh through the whole thing. He would put me in a figgy four. He would twist my arms. And I'm telling you, folks, this was two hours of this, and I would just howl laughing. And uh, and he would do, that's all we did. And that, this isn't a space, by the way, that's four feet by five feet in between some of the girls' beds there. And then uh, when my mom would come in or someone would come and go, okay, dinner time, food's ready. And this is all the deli food, remember? We'd go in there. And I remember one year, my Aunt Etty uh, walked up to my mother and who was standing around uh, yakking with Aunt Arlene and Etty said to my mom, do you always like him to eat that many pickles? Now that's again the kind of question. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? And she said, yes, he wanted, meaning me, Larry, I would go in there and I and I would have, you know, I'd make a sandwich, kind of a half a sandwich of corned beef. Well, nothing like corned beef on rye. And uh, and I ate one, one year that year a tray of pickles. There were always three or four trays. It's amazing. Can you imagine that? That's 
that's that's our big the classy get together with the family. I don't think the uh, I don't think the Vanderbilts uh, and the Carnegies quite you know had parties like that. But that's fine for them, by the way. It's fine. This was our parties, like our family. And so my mother would say to, to Etty, because I, I was saying I had gone through a whole tray of pickles. That's a lot of pickles, by the way. That's like a hundred quarter slices. It's a lot. And even when you love pickles like me and deli pickles, kosher pickles, you know, they they were just terrific. My mom turned to, to Etty and said, did you just watch him eat the pickles and not come over or say something to him like, hey, Larry, stop that. Or come over to me, because then I could have said, "Hey, Larry, stop that!" And uh, they all looked at me. My mom just, you know, kind of brushed the hair off my forehead and looked at me. And I was already green myself. Uh, one year, I remember, on the drive home back to Long Island, I looked like a pickle. I mean, I had eaten so many. <laughs> and you know what, though, it makes you th- it makes you think back in, in such a fond way. When we all get together, and you really know everyone like that. I remember one year, my uh, Uncle Harry, who was a plumber, worked with uh, my my grandfather, his dad, who was a plumber. And Harry, boy, he was a great soldier. He has great World War II stories he had. And, uh, and, all that. and one year to Thanksgiving, he brought his friend Bruno, who was also a plumber from Brooklyn. And I guess, well, plumbers hang out. And Harry was a great dancer. He was a real ballroom dancer. And uh, and he and Bruno were going out together to meet girls because you could go to the places like Roseland in, in New York and dance, you know, the night away. And, well, Harry always did very well. He could meet a lot of pretty girls. He was a terrific dancer. And he could meet the girls and greet the girls, <laughs> so to speak. But uh, he and Bruno were... That was the one time we had someone not in the family at Thanksgiving. And it's funny. Bruno seemed like like a nice fellow. He he had a suit on. He was dressed up. And uh, (laughs) he didn't understand that Uncle Joe was going to come late anyway. So he he didn't quite understand why we were waiting and finally ate about four. But, boy, I'll tell you what, folks. I wouldn't change a thing. Those are good memories with a kid's table and a house on Long Island and my parents making something that was just wonderful. Uh, Aunt Rose came from England one year. Uh, My uh, father's family is from England, and Aunt Rose was the matriarch there, and everyone got along well, but she came from England to visit, to meet the rest of the family again. Well, they knew each other, but... uh, she was coming as well, the 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 great Aunt Rose, and I'm not I'm not that's not an insult. I'm saying, whoa, that was a big thing, and she was going to stay, and uh, she stayed with us. And uh, but for Thanksgiving, it's funny because she would sit there. She looked like, well, uh, Queen Elizabeth at the time, meaning that she had one of those cake hats on, one of those round things, and uh, and a full well suit like a woman's suit. I guess you call them, you know, it's, it's you know, that uh, it was all some kind of pink color. And she sat at the table and she would say, uh, she, oh, that's right. She was very critical, not in a, a bad way, but she would talk about, well, yes, in America you have, well, you've got your, your, your Broadway and your Hollywood. But I think 
frankly, we in England make shows that are this. And she would say whatever she'd say, and everyone was just listening and, and, and because it's Aunt Rose. And I was the only one who would say anything. And I'd say, well, well, maybe if we went to England, we wouldn't like your shows either. And every single time, I would get a wingtip going about 18 miles an hour into my shin under the table. It was my dad's wingtip. God bless him. He would always bang and not even trying too hard, but it's a wingtip for crying out loud with the thick soles. And he would wacko into my shin and the family was close enough so that I, I could just go, ow! And I wasn't trying to make a, you know, a display, but uh, he, and he'd give me that look like, look, it's Aunt Rose. She's talking. Would you please just shut up, and then we can get to the food, and this will all be over. But, boy, that was terrific. I visited Aunt Rose and uh, those folks. Uh, I worked in England many times, oh, eight, nine, ten times, as a comedian and an actor. And uh, I went to their place, and uh, I was looking forward to that. My parents were looking forward to me doing it. And then, you know what, It's you just kind of sit there. It becomes, again, like in family, it's just a meal. So you have that, and then I, well, had to get to the show. So I, I didn't eat a huge meal, you know, and then I just went to the show. I'll never change those good memories. And this year, folks, this year is good because our house is the place to go to. It's not so much in family, but I guess it's all based in family. My son, the Marine, our older boy, is coming up from his base, and he's bringing his Marine friends who've been here before, too, yeah, they're going to stay with us two or three nights. And that's great because they can all, the uh, the Marine friends, he's bringing four of them. And they all, well, sack out downstairs, one on one couch, one on a club chair, one on a fold-out bed, and uh, one just on, a fl- on the floor with sort of a sleeping bag as a pillow. But they're terrific <clears throat> But they're terrific. The dogs just love them. The dogs just cuddle up right on their chest and on their faces. The dogs just sleep with them. It's wonderful. And by the way, in case you were wondering, Marines are very strong. I know you know that, but I mean really strong. They can do anything. They can do one-handed pull-ups for an hour while holding a couch in the other hand. I mean, they're really, really strong. And they don't they don't look like, well, Schwarzenegger or anybody who's been in a club. They're stronger than that. They're like real strong. And my wife, uh, one or two years ago, said to uh, one of the kids, uh, kids, the Marines, he's from Iowa, he's farm boy. And boy, oh boy, he's about 6'2 and built like a rock. But again, not like someone who worked out in the gym. And she said to him, would you do me a favor uh, get a couple of your friends downstairs, the other Marines, and uh, I want to move that couch in the living room into my uh, son's room. And he said, oh, sure, okay. And uh, she was, well, making the meal and looked, you know, and did a couple other things at the sink and the counter and then looked over, and he's carrying the couch. I mean, he, he's not showing off. He picked it up and he said, well, I can do this. And he had the couch on his shoulder, in his hands. My my wife looked at him and her mouth just dropped and she said, what, are, are, you, are you all right there? You don't need the other fellas? And he said, and he wasn't even straining. 
He just smiled back and said, no, I'm all right. And, you know, uh, thanks. And he, sure enough, he just took it down the hall and into the room there. And that's a holy mackerel, folks. I mean, that's a, oh, come on. If there's a couch living contest on their base, he's got to win. Or maybe everyone is like that. I'm telling you, these guys are so strong. They they have a good time at our place. They had, they were in our pool. We've got a pool. Last time they were over, and they all got in, including my younger son who loves to play with them. Oh, they, he just loves them. And they were in the pool, and one of them shouted, "Hey, how about underwater chicken fights?" That was the name of it. And the the others all went, "Yeah, that'll be great." And they played it, underwater chicken fights. I, I still don't know what it is. And I have a standard policy with them. I always say, as soon as they arrive and they get up in the morning, I always say, okay, there's only one law here. No death. All right? No death to anyone here. So as tough as you play, no death. Which they think is funny because I think providing death is what they train for. But it's out of respect for me, I think, that they don't just say, oh, okay, Mr. Miller, but frankly, that's a little stupid because, I mean, we're not going to kill each other. This is a sort of a two-day vacation for us, or three days, and then we eat. And uh, the other guests are, you know, um, Lily Hayden, the great violinist, and, uh, oh, she's just great, an old friend, and her mother, Lotus Weinstock, who's passed on, great comedian and and songwriter and uh, Lily's fiance is Itai from Israel he's a jazz musician and that's by the way he's the only one who's not scared here by the marines because he was in the Israeli army which as you know is also a tough group a little <laughs> they're not afraid of anything so we have and here on Milleronia, by the way, we have tough defense forces, as you, as you can imagine. But just between you and me, I think the Marines and the Israelis have the whole thing covered. If any bad guys ever wanted to rob us here, they wouldn't forget the guests we had. They wouldn't on the right home. They'd be, you said it was just a house. That was Dr. Nose Island. It's going to be a great Thanksgiving. I hope you have one, too. My wife's sister, Helen, is going to be here. And, boy, she's just, I'm very fond of her, too. She's great. We have good holidays here. And I'm glad, I'm glad they'll all be part of it. I wish you one, too. I know I'm going to have one. I hope you know you're going to have one. Because we know the same things. Homer is Homer, and Pluto is a planet. And leftover Thanksgiving food is the best food in the world. So remember, as always, if you walked out of bed today and had a job to go to and a home to come back to and someone there who cares about you, folks, the game's over and you've won. And that's something to be thankful for, too. Be well, and we'll see you here next time. <laughs>